0: Welcome to the Morning News podcast for Tuesday, August 25th. We begin with a reaction to the CPC nomination of Aaron O'Toole as party leader. We get the thoughts of Mercedes Stevenson, Global's Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block on the next steps that O'Toole will have to take to garner the trust and support of Canadians.
1: Next, we get an update from the Calgary Chamber on the state of local businesses. We catch up with Chamber Interim President and CEO, Murray Sigler.
0: Then we look at the information hacking of technology giant Nortel by Chinese operatives. Online journalist Sam Cooper has details on the investigation which goes as far back as 2004.
1: And finally with the pandemic forcing more and more of us to go cashless it has led to increased spending for the average Canadian. We speak with a financial expert on why the change from paper to plastic has left us with less money at the end of the month. Six oh eight on the morning news, and after a marathon night with technical difficulties, Erin O'Toole, or O'Toole rather, received the nomination as the next leader of the CPC party on Sunday night. Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa bureau chief and host of the West Block, was very much all over the nomination process Sunday night into the wee hours of Monday morning, and she joins us now. Good morning, Mercedes. Good morning. Did you get a chance to catch up on your sleep yesterday, and give <laughs> us an idea of what time you got home?
2: <laughs> no <laughs> i'm not caught up of <laughs> my sleep uh that's always the thing with big political news stories is that they often run late into the night and you definitely can't just take the next day off because you have to do all the analysis but you know what those of us who love it uh are on so much adrenaline it doesn't really make a difference so uh it, it was re- really a a fascinating result as it came in. Um, This was back when things kicked off, not what anybody expected for Aaron O'Toole to take the race, which was supposed to be kind of Peter McKay's coronation. And as the race unfolded, uh, the McKay campaign uh, didn't really produce a lot of substantive policy. Uh, They had a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Meanwhile, Aaron O'Toole uh, was putting out, you know, basically a big book of policy. He was working really hard behind the scenes, to get to a lot of social media stuff that got picked up And what really did it for him and really dropped a lot of jaws was the numbers in Quebec. Uh, he took Quebec by a huge margin. Um, and he did that by largely mobilizing people, key ridings and by courting some of the gun rights activists there uh, and gun owners who were angry about Justin Trudeau's changes to Canadian gun laws. And that really paid off for them. So it'll be a very different strategy heading into to the federal election but he's achieved step one now which is winning the conservative leadership
0: what's the reaction in ottawa mercedes i mean uh, it, obviously we heard a little bit from stephen harper yesterday really praising erin o'toole are, are people shocked or are they think this is a good decision in a way to really rally the conservatives together this time around
1: mercedes oh.
0: Yeah, we had a funky connection there. You could kind of hear it. So, Brian, if you can I'm try and her back. see your back. Well, back. Oh, you oh there, there you are. are. <laughs> Hi. Hey, sorry. I don't know what happened there.
2: Yeah, we were
0: kind of uh, coming in and out and then we lost you all together. Glad you're back. Did you hear my question at all?
2: I didn't. Can you ask me again? Yes, please? for sure.
0: I just was curious what the reaction has been. I mean, obviously, not a lot of time yet, but in Ottawa itself, you know, are people thinking that O'Toole is going to be the one that can really come together and rally the, the Conservatives in one united group this time around?
2: Well, it certainly has to be one of his his big priorities. He, He has to do essentially three things right now. He has to unite the Conservative Party and learn the lessons that Andrew Scheer didn't learn, which is that you absolutely have to bring your opponents and their staff inside the Conservative Party into your office and you have to get them invested in your personal success or you will not be able to stay on as the party leader. He also has to explain who he is to Canadians because most people out there haven't heard of Aaron. O'Toole so if he doesn't do that then he risks Justin Trudeau defining who he is on his behalf and that is not something he's going to want to have happen Uh, and then of course he also has to be prepared for a general election because we could go to the polls anytime after September 23rd there's going to be the confidence vote after that speech in the House of Commons um And it's not something that people think is really likely at this point. I don't think the NDP is going to want to bring the government down, but you never know. And that means they have to be ready exceptionally quickly.
1: You mentioned the results in Quebec, and obviously he was, uh, you know, kicked off his campaign here in Alberta. So it looks like he understands the regional differences. Uh, But B.C. seems to be one of those standouts, for example. What's he going to have to do to get the, the whole nation interested in what he has to say?
2: Well, particularly in the pandemic, he has to explain to people what he's offering to them. So um, when I covered the 2019 election campaign, one of the things we heard when we talked to just normal people we ran into out covering the election was that we felt the conservatives were saying who they weren't. We're not the liberals. We're not Justin Trudeau. They didn't feel they were saying who they are. Uh, So what is the vision? And especially coming out of a pandemic, what's your vision for a recovery? How do you get people back to work? It's not enough to simply say, uh, I won't support bloated government programs. Okay. So what will you offer to help someone uh, whose entire business has gone down the drain to get back into the workforce? I know that's something the O'Toole campaign knows they have to focus on. I've heard that from people on the campaign. Uh, so they're really trying to come up with a strategy for that. He'll also have to move towards the center because he campaigned, um, no, I wouldn't say hard right, but he called himself the true blue Tory, which was his way of signaling uh, that, that he was sort of the furthest right between he and Peter McKay. Anyhow, that won't play the same way in a general election. And you could already see it on Monday, pardon me, on Sunday night, uh, technically Monday morning, <laughs> I mean, uh, when he gave his speech that he was talking about it being a big and opening it, he was already starting to make that transition towards the center. You know, speaking
0: of that true blue mask, that's what uh, Maxime Bernier said that uh, that he would that O'Toole had put on during the uh, the the race, and that's how he won the leadership. And yet, people are going to find out that he's just like the Liberals, and now he's trying to court Less than Lewis and Derek Sloan. A- any uh, any credence for that?
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> I, d- um, I doubt they're going you know, over that, that way. Maxime Bernier. He he, maybe Derek Sloan, which would not uh, be any loss for the Conservative Party. He so far has been nothing but a liability for them. Uh, Leslin Lewis would be damaging. I can't see why Leslin Lewis would want to leave the Conservative Party after she has had the performance that she has, which was uh, quite incredible. I mean, she she was uh, coming in in some places like Saskatchewan in first place. Yeah. Uh, it is 100% in Erin O'Toole's interest to get her inside the tent, um, and she you know would have to get a seat. She doesn't have one. One now, uh, but they absolutely are going to want to run her in an election and make her a very senior role. That That is going to be important for them. Uh, Maxime Bernier left the party a year ago um, on the anniversary of the Conservative Convention and held this press conference. Um, I think you'd be very hard-pressed to find many people who take what he has to say seriously, mm-hmm. and his election result reflected that, and the fact that his party's never had a leadership convention, nor does it have a mechanism for him to have any leader <laughs> other than Maxime Bernier.
1: Interesting times. Well, let's talk about the Liberals a bit and, you know, the confidence vote that you mentioned later and you moving into September. When, would it, when do you think uh, it would be best in the Liberals' eyes to, to throw the writ down? Because, uh, you know, if it's not, uh, you know, pulled from, um, you know, under their choice uh, come uh, earlier into the, uh, the fall, because you don't want to give too much, I, I guess, lead way for people to get to know Aaron O'Toole.
2: Yeah, I mean, in a way, there's an argument for the Liberals going in the fall and that they do that because the NDP has no money. Um, they're not polling well. The Conservatives have a brand new leader and they need some time to get money, although they're doing OK financially. And, and you try to go before he's ready for an election. The risk is that that's when the Serb is running out. That's when you're transitioning people to EI. Um, and it's also during the pandemic when you have gone on and on to present yourself as the party that doesn't want people taking risks. Don't be out in public. And now you're going to look at doing an election in a pandemic. Uh, I think that could be a real problem for them message wise. I think they need to wait uh, in their opinion. And uh, I've heard this from senior liberals until they they have a chance to get that result from election pardon me, Elections Canada, who's looking into how do you safely conduct an election in a pandemic. That said, it's entirely possible. I mean, they're basically playing chicken with the opposition because they are confident enough that in particular the NDP will not go to an election because they keep being told, you know, you're governing in a way that is like you have a majority when you have a minority, you're not consulting people enough, you're just shoving huge pieces of legislation through. So their way of dealing with that tactically is to now say, fine, you want an election? Let's have an election. We'll give you a chance to have an election. And when you don't have an election we're going to remind everybody that you didn't want an election. <laughs> um, so it's uh, it's a very interesting political tactic. Could be a fall election, uh, but I think, frankly, at this point, unlikely, especially once Parliament comes back, because those we committees are going to open back up again. And that's going to go back on the agenda, too. Right.
0: Fair enough. Thank you so much, Mercedes. Love uh, chatting with you and getting your take on things. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day. You too. That's Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief, host of the West Block. We do know that O'Toole is holding a press conference on Parliament Hill today to announce some key positions in the opposition.
1: Moving quickly, apparently 6.17. Time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Enjoy spectacular views of the city skyline and the Rocky Mountains.
3: Heading into downtown, lane closures continue on 17th Avenue for physical distancing in both directions between McLeod Trail and 14th Street. Various right lane closures to watch out for there. Also watch out for construction continuing on Center Street at 3rd Avenue Southeast, just south of the river. Traffic has... uh there is two-way traffic in place there, a little bit of a delay. 14th Street, that's moving fine, though, from 16th Avenue down into the Beltline. McLeod Trail, also a great option, from Chinook Center up towards 9th Avenue. And Memorial Drive, just that two-way traffic to watch out for between the Center Street Bridge and the Peace Bridge, impacting both directions. Want football? Zone has more live football than anyone else. Exclusive Premier League, exclusive UAFA Champions League, all the NFL. Zone. start your free trial today at DAZN.com. For the 770 CHQR Traffic Helicopter, I'm Brady Howard.
1: 8:11 on the morning news. It continues to be a tough time for businesses in the city for various reasons. To update us on how they're faring and dealing with COVID-19, we are joined by the interim president and CEO of the Calgary Chamber, Marie Sigler. Good morning to you, Murray. Good morning, sir.
4: Good morning, Andrew. Thanks for having
1: me. Thanks for being here. I'm not sure if you, if you heard minutes ago we were talking about an icon in the city of Calgary, Swizzlestick Salon Spa in Kensington, best of our knowledge, around for over 25 years, announcing their closure due to the difficulties, uh, you know, through the pandemic. And I'm sure that's not the only story that you've heard from the chamber over the past little while.
4: Absolutely. COVID's changed everything and it's, impacted all segments of our community and in our economy and for business in Calgary and for the chamber itself for that matter. It's reflected in everything we do and we've got plans for the remainder of this year. Like it's hit everybody hard, uh, business needs needs some relief, needs some help, it needs strong leadership at the political level. Everything we do at the chamber ourselves is going to try to reflect that direction and the need for change uh, in so many ways to help us through this continuing continue a very serious crisis.
0: And Murray, how do you continue to pump up your members and, and business owners in the city when it, it does continue to be such a difficult time and, a, and a, a really brutal economy?
4: Well, we find that business needs advocacy and it needs some measure of hope. And that's what we're trying to re- reflect in, in our activities, our policy advocacy work, and so on. Uh, despite the problem, and maybe because of them, that a lot of our businesses that are a membership are, are turning to the chamber to provide that measure of leadership, that measure of hope. We're, we're striving to do so in everything we do. One example would be our Resilient mm-hmm. Business Awards, where we've, that, that the uh, nominations closed last Friday. Uh, submissions are being reviewed by our judges, and uh, it's going to lead to some celebration and recognition of, of some success stories. Uh, from our business community, we've got like 1,300 members in, in our chamber. They're all businesses of various sizes and scales. All segments of the uh, of, uh, of the economy are, are included. And there are some success stories. There are some measures of hope. And we also are comforted by the uh, by the changes at the political level in recent events and the upcoming. Uh, Political initiatives that can be taken in the, in the in the months ahead as we head into the back half of this year. So we think, this, we really think the chamber is more critical than ever. The, our membership and the business community is turning to us to provide that leadership, and we're going to strive to do that in a more more effective way than ever. The chamber itself is quite strong. We, our membership base is held. Our events, support for our events is strong. We're going to have virtual Small Business Week. We've got virtual networking events. We've got these virtual awards. Uh, so for sure, we're out there to provide networking opportunities for our membership, to provide essential services like our benefits programs, and also provide, maybe more importantly than ever, some strong advocacy work. But everything we're doing is in response to this crisis we're in, and uh, Calgary, The whole country is in an economic crisis for all of us individually and for our communities. The business community is especially affected and no place in Canada perhaps worse so than Calgary. So we're going to focus on issues that are important for business and uh, we hope we're there for business. If we're not, we're not doing our job as a chamber. That's how fundamental it is for us and for our business community.
1: Murray, over the past few months, we've heard the stories and told the stories of businesses saying that they simply couldn't get their workers back because it was a better option to stay on CERB. And then in the past week or so, we heard about that transition from CERB to EI being announced by the federal government. Have you heard any response or feedback from local businesses about that move from the feds and if it would be enough to push the workers to come back?
4: Well... It was well received by chambers of commerce across Canada and northern and, and in Calgary, in the sense that we've been advocating for some incentive to get back to work. And fortunately, we believe that uh, that our new finance minister, deputy prime minister Freeland, has taken that up with cabinet, and that's that's been recognized. But we also want more than temporary prop up measures. We want sustainable initiatives that that recognize. Uh, a sustainable recovery beyond COVID-19. So if that helps get us there, that's great. Both CERB and EI changes are welcome, and we hope the chambers will be engaged, including this chamber as it relates to Calgary in terms of the detail of how that's implemented. Uh, We're committed to working together with with, uh, our new finance minister, also Intergovernmental Affairs Minister LeBlanc at the the federal level. to, to help make that happen. We're also pleased that uh, uh, congratulating the Honourable Aaron O'Toole for his election. We believe that he, that, the, that Mr. O'Toole has a focus on business and on Alberta and on Calgary. Uh, but both parties were committed to work together uh, to bring Calgary business issues the ten- uh, to their attention for action especially in a mood that could result in an election over
0: the months ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, Murray, thank you so much. We appreciate your time and certainly your update. I always appreciate checking in with the Chamber. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: That's Murray Sigler, who is the interim president and CEO of the Calgary Chamber.
1: Time now for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman, Calgary's newest and best master plan community.
5: Watch for northbound on Métis Trail at 128th Avenue Northeast. So if you're leaving Skyview Ranch or Redstone city- Cityscape, you'll want to watch out for a delay of about five minutes heading up to Stony Trail. Southbound Lane's Low of Métis Trail running smoothly down towards McKnight Boulevard as is 16th Avenue as you come in from Chestmere Westbound Lane City, at only five minutes from Stony Trail out towards Deerfoot. And Deerfoot Trail itself through the northeast, Southbound Lane still sitting nice and smooth down towards Memorial, just a little bit of building volume at this point. Northbound lanes of Deerfoot, they're quite busy between Douglasdale Boulevard and Southland Drive, just from typical volume. We're not seeing any collisions or stalls on that route. Things do open up after Southland Drive as you continue up towards the Castro Bridge. Also, as we fly over top of the Northwest, we're taking a look here at McMahon Stadium, Crowchell Trail, 24th Avenue. That Southbound Drive has been fantastic all morning as you continue down towards the Bow River. Northbound if you are dealing with a little bit of construction, though, at 24th Avenue, watch for a right lane closure there. Hey, Calvary Calgary, Savon University District is celebrating its grand opening week starting Friday, August 28th. Come check us out. Up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Freddie Howard.
1: Very interesting stuff coming up. We're trying to catch up with Sam Cooper, national investigative reporter, to talk about Nortel. And you say Nortel? Well, they've been gone for a long time. Well, it's come to light uh, that hacking was a serious issue uh, by the chinese so we're going to dig deeper into this issue trying to connect with sam as we speak but it, it's very interesting how deep it was so let's get into it right now and it is a, a former security official at nortel who claimed that top secret plans flowed out of nortel executives accounts to several mysterious internet addresses in china so with more we are joined by national investigative reporter sam cooper good morning to you sam good morning Sam, Nortel's been gone for years now, but the security official says that he's disappointed that Ottawa didn't step in to save Nortel. What does he think the government could have done? That's
6: right. Brian Shields and others say that uh, China focused all of its cyber war power on Nortel specifically because Nortel's innovation secrets were were seen as so key to China's telecommunications future. Uh, Remember, Nortel was the world leader, running about 70% of all Internet uh, traffic on Canadian technology. So the RCMP did investigate Nortel's hacking complaint in 2004, but what the experts told us is that uh, the RCMP didn't then and still doesn't have the jurisdiction or the international resources to, to fight state-sponsored cybercrime against our Canadian industries. And furthermore, uh, the experts say that Canada doesn't have the security resources or tough foreign interference laws that countries such as Australia or the United States have to, to combat uh, China's very broad espionage and interference networks that are seeking uh, intellectual property around the world.
0: Sam, why is this security hack, why is this coming up now again? It's
6: coming up now because the experts, uh, including Brian Shields, uh, including people in the U.S. intelligence world, the Canadian intelligence world, say that, in their words, the truth has never come out in Canada about how deep and insidious this hack was really cyber hacking was very new in in the early 2000s no one really understood it and china had uh, the jump on the world in terms of these state-sponsored deep hacks around the world and the experts say that okay now uh you know western companies are competing head-to-head against companies like Huawei. But there's a reason for that. Uh, Companies like Huawei in 10 years jumped into those competitive roles, and that doesn't happen naturally. So that's one reason. The other big reason is, uh, as as everyone knows, Canada is still sitting on this Huawei potential 5G network contract. And the experts say uh, there's just uh, powerful evidence that companies like Huawei are directly connected to China's espionage and military intelligence networks therefore it's unacceptable national security uh, risks the the experts say to accept Huawei into Canada's
1: 5G networks. Sam it was over a decade ago so I'm wondering do we have any clues as to what types of technology may have been uh, gleaned from the Chinese and uh, maybe being used today?
6: well absolutely uh in in my investigative story uh, i obtained from mr shields his 2004 investigative report where he describes the exact documents extracted from nortel's uh top secret servers and those would include uh records that were very key to the development of 3g 4g and 5g network technology so he says in his view that's a smoking gun because uh, only a competitor of Huawei could have used such uh, cutting edge proprietary technology. And uh, when you, this matches really the allegations in FBI case, in an FBI indictment that says Huawei benefited from a similar cutting edge technology from a number of American companies.
0: So they got away with it back then. Is this more of a warning for really all of us to pay attention to what's happening today?
6: Broadly speaking, uh, the experts say it's absolutely a warning specific to the 5G networks. uh, You know, experts say that in smart cities, 5G networks, you know, the data is held very close to the consumer. It's held right in your phone. You know, now in 4G, 3G, that data is held in high uh, high security servers, now it'll be much more easy to hack because it's held so much cl- more closely to your handheld device. And uh, why does that matter? Well, it really matters for people like Hong Kong Canadians that say that they're already being tracked through uh, Chinese social media apps, apps like WeChat or TikTok. They say uh, Chinese intelligence agencies are tracking them, harassing them. And if Huawei handles 5G, they say that. Uh, People that speak out against China will will be tracked and they will have their their, you know, personal data sent directly to Beijing. Mm -hmm. And you can only imagine the danger that that
1: presents. Sam, what are some of the uh, interference techniques that these Chinese hackers are using? And is there anything that uh, Canadian companies or any company across the globe can do to protect themselves?
6: Well, something that uh, a, new, a new angle that uh, my reporting found in this story is that our intelligence sources say there's this really shocking convergence between Chinese intelligence and uh, powerful Chinese organized crime networks. They say that China's government and organized crime are working together in espionage to steal intellectual property. So how that would work, one example, uh, organized crime cyber hackers in China would get uh, protection, criminal immunity to do their crimes if they also provide uh, valuable uh, secrets such as COVID-19 vaccine research or Nortel secrets to Chinese intelligence agencies. Uh, So what can uh, Canadian companies do? Uh, Mr. Shields and others would say, Canada's government really needs to step in with a greater uh, counterintelligence supporting role for industry. That's something that we're starting to see much more in the United States. The FBI says it's mounting a a new counterintelligence uh, investigation involving China every 10 hours. And uh, they they protect American, important American companies. That doesn't happen in Canada so
0: far. Wow. Well, we'll be watching tonight. Thank you so much, Sam, for joining us. I know your story. Uh, more on this. We'll see it tonight on uh, Global National. And also, people can get more information at globalnews.ca. Thank you for joining us. It's a fascinating story. Thank you. That's Sam Cooper, National Online Investigative Journalist.
1: And to hear you know the depths of this. And that it was years ago. Uh, you remember... The new uh, Calgary Police Service campus was the Nortel campus. Oh, was it? And that's if you've been up there. Uh, I, I didn't tool around to Nortel, uh, but in the media, if you go to the uh, the big police campus, West Winds, they yep.
0: call it. Yep, it's huge. It is massive, and it's and that sign. was Nortel. Yeah, it's a sign. I did
1: And and I do remember if you if you followed it when the CPS moved there, I think they shut that and shuttered it in two thousand nine or thereabouts. Um, it was it was such a great deal for real estate because mm. who would have thought that this mammoth building would come open. CPS jumped all over and moved to their headquarters because this huge piece of real estate. And you walk through and you think, wow. So something so huge, and they say, you know, maybe uh, not not in this case uh, was this huge, but too big to fill because they were having such success. You you start to wonder— Would it be because competition started to get ramped up that was being taken from right under their nose? Incredible stuff from Sam
0: Cooper. Definitely. Global National tonight and again, globalnews.ca if you want to look into that a little bit further. It's 7.17 now. It's time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman, a community connected to its city.
5: in the northeast. We are hearing it in your left lane. We're going to try and get a closer look at it. We do see the line of though, on Northbound Métis Trail. It's really long heading down towards 64th Avenue, so you want to allow a couple of extra minutes if that's on your route. Southbound lanes of Métis Trail, they're running smoothly as you make your way down towards McKnight Boulevard. As this Deerfoot Trail, that's a great drive southbound off the QE2 as you make your way down towards Memorial Drive, and we're still seeing a pretty good go on 16th Avenue through the northeast. Westbound lane, sitting at about five minutes from Stony Trail, coming in from Chestermere out towards Deerfoot. It's the Rediscover the Road sales event at Nissan Finance Select 2020 Rogue Models from 0% for up to 84 months. Visit Nissan.ca. Up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Freddie Howard.
1: 909 on the morning news. and Not using cash during COVID-19 could make you more likely to overspend. It's time for us to discuss how to handle your money during the pandemic, including decontaminating bills and coins. We are joined by financial expert with the Alberta School of Business, Mike Meyer. Good morning to you, Mike. Good morning. Let's talk about this overspend first and how it's connected to the increased use of you know, debit cards, credit cards, tap apps and online purchases. How could we be spending more?
7: Um. Well, the simple fact is we've known for many years, actually 30-40 years, that when you use a credit card or a debit card, you tend to spend more uh, than if you were using cash. So with the trend from people moving from, uh, to contactless payment methods, a lot of businesses are saying we don't want to accept cash or discouraging you the use of cash, uh, people tend to use the other payment methods and end up adding a few extra things to their shopping cart when they're out.
0: So let's also say not only are we, you know, spending more because it's easy to just do the tap, but when you look at your credit card at the end, now you've got really high interest rates on top of it all.
7: Yeah, yeah. And if you're using a credit card, that makes it even easier because now I'm not necessarily having to worry about paying the cash today if it's in my, on my debit card, if I now have a month or two to pay a, mm-hmm. that credit card. And then if you let that slip now, you're paying 20% interest. <laughs>
1: Okay, so it's out of sight, out of mind. It's in your wallet, but you don't see the cash leaving your hands. Good thing you're a financial expert, so you can hopefully (laughs) offer up some tips on how we we can avoid uh, the overspending and staying within our budget when we don't have that tangible.
6: Uh,
7: so, a lot of the recent research has been focusing on how do you make those transactions more salient. So, a lot of the credit card companies uh, will now actually have apps that you can use to track your spending. Uh, my American Express sends me a notification as soon as I spend something on the card. So, you constantly know uh, kind of what level you're at and you're not just waiting to get the statement at the end of the month. So, that's probably the best way. There's also a number of apps out there uh, that will help you budget, so mint.com is one, uh, which you can integrate uh your bank accounts your credit cards and you get kind of a whole picture of what your uh bank accounts look like
0: is it uh, maybe a a good idea to to i don't know is you know can you if you take money off your credit card you're still paying that interest but but to be able to actually use money that's in a bank account and and your debit card is it just a, a smarter idea to try and use that whenever possible as opposed to credit
7: Um, Well, it really depends. So there is more protection with a credit card on a lot of purchases. So a lot of credit cards have extra insurance, Mm -hmm. or if there's a dispute with the merchant later, you can get that money back a lot easier than if it's on a debit card. So for smaller purchases, debit is probably better kind of for those everyday transactions. Um, But for larger purchases, uh, I tend to go with a credit card. Um, simply because of that extra protection.
1: Makes sense. Well, the credit cards, at least, you know, those those are physical. When it comes to some of the apps for uh, Skip the Dishes or Uber, whatever it might be, there's another way that our money could be flowing without us really paying close attention.
6: Yeah, yeah,
7: exactly. And again, uh, it's a lot easier uh, if you've just got it on your cell phone uh, to make those extra purchases. Uh, Again, it doesn't seem as real, but at the end of the day, it has to be paid.
0: Okay, now I'm grossed out to ask you this next question, but we alluded to it in the uh, in the lead-in. So, do we really need to think about decontaminating our bills and coins? I mean, our mothers always told us don't put that in your mouth anyway, but uh, you know, yeah. even more so now, right?
7: Yeah, um, so a colleague of mine at the University of Alberta here, David Evans, uh, who is much more an expert on the virology and everything, uh, he said the risk is very low. So it's about the same risk as uh, using the pin pad. Uh, if you're entering your pin, uh, using the credit card, touching the door handles or anything else like that. Again, common sense, mm-hmm. uh, sanitize, hand washing. Um, and if you just leave your bills out um, for a few days, and don't touch them. The virus will actually die off uh, on its own.
1: Yeah, or if you're cheap like me, it'll sit in your pocket or wall long enough. It'll <laughs> yeah. be long dead. The
0: moths will clean before, that uh, all off. Andrew,
1: I'm wondering if you can offer any advice up because if you're over the age of 35, you have straddled that uh, you know difference between spending with cash and yep. using the debit card or the apps. But younger than that, you might really not be using cash all that much. So what do we tell young kids, you know, as parents out there, as far as instructing our uh, children how to deal with and handle money in a world where you don't actually touch the money?
7: Uh, that's a great question. It really comes down to parents need to start, uh, I think, just getting a little bank account for their kids. Um, with my kids, I've got uh, several different... Uh, joint bank accounts with them, and whenever they get money, we put it in the bank account, and they can always check what the balance is um, there. Uh, There's a variety, and again, you have to look at what age uh, your kids are at. Um, Some you might want to give a uh, prepaid value card uh, for their allowance and let them uh, use that to handle their spending on.
0: Great reminders, great advice. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Andrew, too. That's Mike Meyer, financial expert with the Alberta School of Business.
1: Got a couple of great texts uh, surrounding this, and one that takes a different angle with uh, which is with a cashless world, we are being tracked every time we make a purchase, one way or another. Mm. Hmm, so it's some, true. Some of you said about that, and sometimes I, I don't know how nefarious it is, but it, it might target ads, uh, you know, toward you, particularly online when you're you know following these uh, you know different, uh, I guess. Amazon's or whatever, the things you like, and you mm-hmm. might get some ads. It also says here that uh, personal debt started on the increase with the introduction of the credit card in the 70s.
0: Oh, absolutely. A lot of people over the years have gotten into a lot of trouble. I would suspect that we're seeing a lot more of that now. With so many places where you shop, they are asking you, please, to not use cash. And, yes, I know you're going to text and say, cash is legal everywhere. Yes, it is. But there are a lot of businesses asking you not to pay in cash. They want you to pay with a credit card. And then sometimes stuff gets out of hand.
1: It does. This other uh, texter says debit cards carry service fees. And those keep going up. Uh, credit cards don't charge you until you carry a balance mm-hmm. for the next month. Then look out. What I do is charge something and then go to the bank and pay that amount into my credit card. That's well, smart. You have to be very smart with and your money. you know? got to be on it to do that. You do. And, and for me, my debit card does not have a service fee. Oh. So it depends on the bank yep. you go to. Yeah, my interest is probably negative .0001. But nevertheless, you can find interest-free debit cards and uh, interact and uh, withdrawals, too, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're savvy. But... That could add up as well to, to the uh, texter's point there.
0: Did you ever get into trouble with a credit card? Because I certainly did. When I went to university, mm-hmm. I just started, well, this <laughs> is easy. For me, it was. And I had to get my mom to eventually pay it off I remember. And, uh, I, and I did pay her back. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Nobody was paying
1: mine off. I didn't, uh, Gordon Jones Schultz would have nothing to do with that. <laughs> but I remember in my mid-20s, um, maybe I was even 27, I uh, was trying to book a hotel room on vacation, other side of North America, mm-hmm. and uh, I couldn't pay for the hotel room. And my girlfriend at the time, I said, well, oh. I don't know what's going on here. Um, so I uh, phoned in and they said, yeah, your limit's 10,000 and you're over 10,000. Oh. How old were you? About 26, 27. Ooh. That was a hole to dig out of, but I didn't. Yeah. And uh, it takes diligence. But I had no idea what, what, where, where I was at or what my limit was. So knowledge is very important. I've, I've learned from my mistakes. I've licked my wounds and moved on.
0: And a great reminder that we need to teach our kids, right? Because most of us have done it. So teach your kids early. Make them understand yes. credit cards and the, uh, the percentage of the interest that you're paying at the end of the month and how not to get into trouble like mom and dad did. <laughs> 917, it's time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Main streets highlight 20-foot sidewalks and integrated bike paths.
3: Busy at 162nd Avenue and James McHevett Road. There was a really bad collision in the intersection, so do expect delays while police help direct you through there. Uh, McLeod Trail that's moving smoothly into the downtown core. If that's normally on your route, it looks like major routes like Deerfoot, Glenmore, Crowchild have all seen a nice wind down. Some delays though around the interchange of 16th Avenue and Stony Trail. Construction does continue there. Right now we're seeing delays uh, eastbound approaching Beaufort Road and then westbound on the Trans Canada just as you pass Valley Ridge Boulevard. Want football? DAZN has more live football than anyone else. Exclusive Premier League, exclusive UAFA Champions League, all the NFL. DAZN, start your free trial today at DAZN.com. For the 770 CHQR Traffic Helicopter, I'm Brady Howard.